0: Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish up a series today. Actually, I might even extend it one more week, but here's what I want you to do. For time's sake, I'm, we're just going to jump straight into the text today. Luke 15, 1 through 3, or 1 through 7, excuse me. And while you're turning there, I want to share a story with you. Uh, I have my, my grandparents, neither of them are with us anymore. My mom's parents uh, Jack and Betty Mooney were their names. And we had, I had the kind of grandparents that fought all the time. I mean, it was like an episode of Cheers or something like that. You know, they, 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 there was just a feistiness. You never doubted the fact that they loved each other, but they fought like cats and dogs, and they did it all the time. And you just kind of expected it. Uh, and so on one such occasion, my grandfather was coming in Uh, I don't even know what he was doing. He was outside. He was coming in, and and he's a traveling salesman. Back in the days when you would travel and you would sell, they were converting the crank phones over to landlines. And my grandfather, that's what he did for a living for most of his career. And so he was a traveling salesman, and somehow or another, he got home, and you know I don't know if he'd been working around the house, but all of a sudden my grandmother noticed he wasn't wearing his wedding ring. Uh Oh, and you can only imagine with a couple that already kind of just likes to banter and fight and get a little cranky with each other. My grandmother, she let him have it and she just knew that he was being unfaithful while he was on the road and they went at it. And I, and I've got verbal confirmation from my mother that this story is, is completely accurate. And so they got, they went and had this big fight. And we're talking months later, months and months later, my grandmother is outside working on the flower bed. And her tulips had emerged, sprung from the ground. And what is hanging off of the stem of one of her fully grown tulips is my grandfather's wedding ring. He had been outside planting tulips for her the ring had fallen off and the tulip had grown up through it and literally grew up with the ring so that it was just you know like (laughs) surprise and now I don't know if there was a good apology or not there should have been but have you ever lost something that was really valuable to you ever lost your wedding ring before some of you are shaking your heads. Some of, the, some, of the, some of the spouses are already angry looking at the other one right now. We lost our keys. I could, we could not find our car keys this morning. How many of you have lost your car keys and it's just driven you mad? You've lost your purse before. You've lost your wallet before. You've, you've left. You have bought groceries only to leave the grocery store, get all the way home and realize I didn't even bring my groceries home. What is wrong with me? I've done that. I've done it on more than one occasion. That's right. I got things on my mind, okay? So nobody likes to lose anything for that matter, much less something that has real value. And what do you do when you lose something that you care about? You go looking for it. You search for it. You do anything you can to find it. You move heaven and earth. You put some sweat to the brow. You, 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 you retrace your steps. You start talking to people. I, Jason Hubbard, Pastor Jason on our staff, gave the church and entrusted it to me last week a Wi-Fi hotspot. And I was sure that somebody had taken it I could not find it. I have spent the entire week. I literally got in my car, and was driving to every place that I had been after church last Sunday. I couldn't find it. And what was waiting for me this morning, sitting on the little computer table, that hot spot, I, I was working tirelessly to find that dumb thing so that we would have a great wireless connecting point for guest services. When you lose something, you look for it. With me? God is no different. Only he doesn't lose us. We lose ourselves. But his posture is no different. If it's of value, he's going to start looking. Luke 15, 1 through 3. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Blah, 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 humbug. Then Jesus told them this parable. First off, it's never good to mutter around Jesus, because he knows what you're thinking even before you say it. It's never a good idea. Verse 4, Jesus is is talking. The the room is filled with, with quote-unquote, sinners and tax collectors. It's filled with the religious folks, the elite filled with disciples and onlookers. And so Jesus shares this story. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Verse 8, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she does, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. There's a lot to learn here, church. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a minute to go through it. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, boy, church is going along today. Maybe it is. We've got to to get this in the DNA of our church. And so we're going to take our time and I'm going to to run us through this. And if you're sitting here this morning and and you're you're, you're on the fence as to whether or not you want to put your faith in Jesus, my invitation for you today is to simply hear this message and begin to pray about it. If you are sitting here and you have put your faith in Jesus, you don't really need to pray about it. We need to do it. Now, a message for everyone right now. It's good news for all of us is that you're never too lost to be found. I don't care how lost that coin was. The elderly woman could find it. It doesn't matter how lost the sheep was. The shepherd found it. It doesn't matter how far away the sheep had wandered. Are you catching my drift here? It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. You are never too lost to be found. And that is tremendously good news today. The flip side is also true. That in our desire to become more like God to honor Him in all of our ways. That means that when we read a parable like this, rather than always seeing ourselves as the sheep that's lost that gets found, there also should be a moment where we begin to see ourselves as the one who starts to go looking for those who are lost. Only God can ultimately snatch someone out of the pit of darkness that they're in and bring them into his marvelous light, but make no mistake about it. If you have cracked open this thing we call the Bible and read just about anywhere in it, what you see is God's heart for those who don't know him and his petition for those who call themselves his followers to do something about it. And so this morning, I want to remind you of some things that we have in front of us. If you desire to find that which is lost, it's going to require work. You say, well, I, I didn't come to church to be reminded that I've got to work. I'm not talking about well, you're working to be valued in front of God or you worth to Him. That's not what we're talking about. But I want you to hear this. There are people that don't know Jesus. They exist in Romania, and they exist right here. And one of the most poignant things you just heard on this stage before I ever started preaching is that people love church services, but they don't like to make disciples. That's a problem they have in Romania, and surprise. It's a problem we have right here in the United States of America. And I want to urge you not to run from the good and worthy work that is in front of us as missionaries here on our soil. We've got work to do, and it's work worth doing. It's not work that should scare us or frighten us. It's work that should excite us. There's work that you do at your house, and you think, God, why did you do this to me? <laughs> Amy and I are starting to paint our living room, and it's just it's agonizing. Some of you like that. I hate it. But then there's also sometimes there's work where you get outside and you're sweating, you know, and you just, you feel good about it. Yes. I feel like I've made a difference to my ugly yard. (laughs) But this right here, the roller, it just does nothing. This is the kind of work that when you do it, you feel. You feel the, the presence of God working and moving through you. It's work worth doing. And we've got a lot of it to do. Don't believe me? Turn to 2 Peter 3, 9. Because the Bible says this, as we look at the posture of God towards people that don't know Him. He says that, or Peter, he says, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. God values those who don't know Him. And His great heart and desire is that they would not stay lost, but that they would come to repentance, salvation in Him. Matthew 9, Jesus says to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out what? What? workers into his field. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-20. Paul, the great apostle, says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and... gave the really gifted guys the ministry of reconciliation. Nope. He gave the pastors, the ministry of reconciliation. False. He gave those who are fully mature and know the Bible, they've got 15 verses memorized, the ministry of reconciliation ain't wrong answer. He gave you and I and everybody in between who has been changed by the spirit of Jesus Christ the ministry of reconciliation. And this is what he says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So let me under let me, let's do the math. If you are not, on behalf of God, making an appeal to those who don't know Him, that they might, forget how we do it for a second, simply that you would make the appeal, that you would present your life as a window to God, That you would be leading people to the cross if God has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation and we are his ambassadors and it's as though God were making his appeal through us. If none of us are making an appeal, then who is hearing about God in the ministry and the moment of reconciliation that he's given the world? Now, can he do it without you? Of course he can. God moves in... Logical ways, mysterious ways, every kind of way. He moves in people's dreams. He can move through a song on the radio. He can show up in somebody's car while they're driving by themselves. But you know what I see more often than not? Most people come to faith because they've had an interaction with somebody else who knows Jesus and they have the courage to talk about it. You and I are his ambassadors and he makes his appeal to those who do not know him through you and I. And if we shut the door, then guess who's not hearing the appeal? No one. Feel it. There's a show on TV called Lost. Anybody remember that show? Yeah. I loved that show. The ending was a little wonky. But okay. <laughs> Some of you are bitter still. I am. I'm upset about it still. I gave like seven years to that show. Well, there was this moment. Amy and I were newlyweds. We had a little townhouse in Nashville. And the show Lost would come on and I, we did not miss that thing. I loved that show. It was crazy. It was weird. And it left you with all kinds of curious questions and understand here's what the show is about. We, there was a plane that crashed. And all the passengers are stranded. They survived, and they're stranded on this weird, mysterious island. And these strange events begin to happen. People that are dead are showing up alive. All of a sudden, there's others and people living on this island. You're wondering how they get there. They're finding underground laboratories in this island. I mean, it's, whoa. (laughs) It was intense. And as we were watching the show, there was, an, there was a commercial that came on for Oceanic Airlines during the commercial break of the show Lost. And if you know the show Lost, the airline that they all got on, the plane crashed on was Oceanic Air. And I sat there and I thought, this is a commercial break, but they're showing a commercial for something inside the show. Whoa, is this a real airline? So I got on, on the internet and I looked it up, full-blown website. You can book tickets. So I did. I went to it, and I called the number. I was like, this is crazy. Is this a real airline? Because I'd never heard of it. And they started showing other commercials for products and things in the show that I'd never heard of. And I thought, either I have been disconnected from this planet, or they're promoting things within the show as if they're real. And so I called the airline. I hit my menus, and, and, and you know, some, a woman's voice gets on the phone begins talking about oceanic airlines and then all of a sudden you hear on on the line the door open a door shut footsteps come in the woman who's talking to me on the phone whispers they're coming for me it's not what it, it's not what it seems she screams the line goes dead <laughs> now meanwhile i've been watching the show with no lights on <laughs> just the glow of the tv Amy has gone upstairs and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Babe, I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't know what's real or not real. I think I'm the lost one. I don't know what's going on. I've lost my bearings here. It's real. Is this real or is it not? Ah." And this is exactly what Christians do. We lose sense of our bearings as to what Jesus' mission is for you and I. We lose sight of what's real, what's important, and we begin to give our lives to things that have very little significance. Hear me here for a moment. Wes, not yet. <clears throat> Hear me here <laughs> for a moment. So I just shut down Pastor Wes. <laughs> I want you to hear this, church, because it's important for us. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He, gave, he died. He rose again. He breathed His Holy Spirit into His disciples. And then He entrusted us with this great mission of getting off our tails and seeking and bringing to Him those who need to be saved. We cannot deny it, and if we spend any more time trying to figure out what is this, what's not, what's real, what's not, we've lost our bearings. I love church service, but reaching people that don't know Jesus and making disciples, well, that's not really for me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you follow Jesus, then you are answering the call to reach those that don't know him and to help people become disciples. There is no ifs, ands, or buts in between. We cannot say we are Christ's disciples if we do not do what he has asked us to do. The very nature and word of the the word disciple means that you follow him. Now, if you're sitting here and you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling guilty, don't. Feel gripped. i must say that again. Don't feel guilty this morning. Feel gripped with an urgency to Go. And let God use you to be an impact in your community, in your family, and in your neighborhood. Now, you might be sitting here and saying, I, you know, there, there's all these reasons why not to. I get them. I don't want to be labeled as this. I don't want to be thought of as this. I don't want to offend people. I've got great news and bad news for you cross of Jesus will always be offensive. And my attempts to make it unoffensive are actually hurting the discipleship that needs to happen in the people around me. I'm not saying be ugly. I'm not saying go on a social media rage. Don't do that. You don't have to be a strange Christian either. But understand the cross of Jesus it is an offense because inherently in following him is me hearing however it gets communicated hopefully graciously and hopefully mercifully and hopefully with kindness and the hope of Jesus but understand inherently in me coming and being brought to the cross is the message that I need to die to myself and be found in Jesus that I'm going the wrong way. And that is offensive. But church, we've got to get in the game and have some conversations that might actually offend somebody from time to time. And we can talk strategy all we want. But when is the last time that you had a conversation with somebody where you were talking about Jesus Christ to somebody that didn't know him? When's the last time? When is the last time you left the 99 for a minute to go find the one? And that means that you are reorienting your life. That shepherd that left the 99, I'm sure he wasn't real thrilled about going. Probably had to put on a thicker jacket, had to get his, his, you know, sharpen up that staff, Didn't know how long he was going to be gone. Tighten up the shoes. Leaves the 99 and he begins to walk. He might be going up a hill. Might be going down a hill. It might have been cold. It might have been hot. It might have been long. It might have been short. We know nothing but understand he was willing to do whatever it takes to find the one that needed to be found. And that means prayer. That means conversations. That means hard conversations. That means easy conversations. That means more prayer. That means being wise. We can talk all day about strategies for reaching the lost. I don't want to do that. I want to talk about your heart and your concern to do it because if I can get you there or if you are already there, here is what I found. When somebody answers the the knocking of God on their heart, the answer to have a little courage with those who don't know him, most of the time they'll figure it out. Most of the time they'll be so hungry and so desperate. They'll figure out ways to talk about Jesus to the people they care about. Might be hard at times. But they get it done and they do it. They leave the 99 and they go for the one. come on I've got like three messages still left to preach, and I'm not going to have the ability to do that all this morning I'm going to say just a couple things the series that we're in is I Dare You and today here's what I'm asking you to do here's what I'm daring you to do I'm daring you to do whatever it takes to have the conversations with people that need to be had. If it's hard, so be it. If it's easy, amazing. If you don't have the friendship and you need to position yourself in a more in a better way so that you've earned the right to have the conversation, great, do it. If you need to start looking at your schedule. This is what I do. The truth is this, things that you value, you make time for, do you not? If you really value the things that Jesus values, then we make time for the things that Jesus made time for. Jesus made time for spending time with people who didn't know him. And so here I am, and yes, I am checking us against the boards today because it's so easy to be in our holy huddles and spend time in our insulated lives and somehow we become detached from the brokenness that's in the world. The frustration, the fear, the anger, the everything. If you're like me, maybe you grew up in a Christian home. And so being around people that didn't know Jesus, I wasn't used to that. And I was very removed from what other people's lives were like. Which meant that as I got a little bit older and that God had began knocking on my heart, it meant that I had to do a little bit of, a harder job, a harder work of putting myself in a place to build with people who didn't know him. And if I say I value what Jesus values, then it's high time that I begin building something into my life that allows me to be around people in a way that would certainly allow for prayer, for the gospel, at some point in time, to be communicated. Are you with me this morning? Does this make sense today? If your passion is cooking, then at some point, begin using your gift for cooking to bring people over to your house and cook them a meal and begin to do it every Tuesday night. Begin to do it every other week or or once a month or twice a month and be intentional. Why? Because Jesus was intentional. If we only stick to the people we know in this room, guess what? We will not fulfill the mission that God has for us. We won't do it. And that means there must be a breaking. There must be a shift in our heart. There must be a cracking. As we do the heavy lifting of putting ourselves in place, in places of engaging those who don't know Your sports team, your business, your neighborhood, your school, your orchestra, Your music class. All these things are amazing, but I want you to hear you're not just there for you because you're Christ's ambassador. And so everywhere you go, you represent Him. And everywhere you go, you are speaking on His behalf. So make it count and be intentional be grace-filled, be merciful, be clear, be direct when you need to be direct. Don't avoid the difficult conversations. Have them. You don't know what to say? Great. Welcome to 99.9% of everybody else. And you get to trust the Holy Spirit, which is why Jesus said, don't worry about the words that you need to say. I'll give you the words by the power of the Holy Spirit for you to say what needs to be said in the moment that it needs to be said in. Is there training to be had? Is there equipping to be had? Yes, but before all that, we've got to have the heart. that there are people who don't know Jesus that are going to spend an eternity apart from him, that God has given us this great and divine calling and mission to do something about it. I dare you to do whatever it takes. fear what people think more than you fear the condition of their soul stop worrying about what people think have courage be kind be gracious be merciful be caring be willing be a lover of people love like Jesus loved if sinners will be damned at least let them leap to hell over our bodies and if they will perish let them perish with our arms about their knees imploring them to stay and if hell must be filled at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. I dare you to do whatever it takes today, tomorrow, to reorient your life in such a way that God might use you to bring someone who does not know him into his marvelous light and into his marvelous grace. Father, we pray today, God, that you would use us. God, we pray that we would not be comfortable, that we would not grow so content in our, in our world of churches, in our world of ministry, in our world of, of life groups and all of the things that we love and the adornments that we experience at, at church. God, let us not grow comfortable. God in the huddle of Christianity but let us leave the 99. God let us pray. Let us war in prayer. Let us be men and women. God with the teeth of our exertion let us give everything we have to those who do not know you. God let us not be shy. Let us not be filled with fear but God let us by the power of the Holy Spirit God speak your word with boldness and to go forth God in your grace and in your kindness and as your ambassadors to a lost and broken world God let us not shrink back today but do anything and everything it takes to implore those who do not know you God to step into your light to encounter you, God. We pray it in the name of Jesus.